For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to season four, episode two, or episode two of season four. I'll work on that. I'll work on that. You'll get it eventually. Yeah, (laughs) it's still new. We're still early into season four. You would think after three seasons, I I would have this down, but you know, you live and you learn. Season four, episode two of Half Street High Heat. We are continuing our rankings tonight as we move on to second baseman. And I will preface tonight's discussion by saying a lot deeper of a position than I initially thought. And, you know, there's a lot of good discussion to be had and that will be had tonight. Uh, But I am joined once again by my good friend, Ryan. You can follow him on Twitter at WeAreAllShack and my good friend, Trey. You can follow him on Twitter, still at reverse. Still at reverse for now. Still at reverse, two R's, two S's. Yeah, brainstorming is happening, but I haven't haven't come up with any anything yet. I, I have the same thought. So like you know, to go off on a quick tangent here, like I'm the type of person, uh, you know, after call it eight months or whatever, I want to rearrange my room <laughs> or my bedroom or like the the kitchen or whatever. I just want to rearrange it. Mm-hmm. So now like you mentioned it and our friend OPT, like just recently tried out a different handle. And I'm like, Hmm, maybe I want to try out a different handle. It's like, cause I'm not necessarily attached to mine. So it's like, oh, no, now you guys, Inception we got, we got the we got the gears turning in your head right now. right so i'm like trying to think like what what's good enough to stick mm-hmm. which is probably nothing considering <laughs> the way i am but what's going on guys how, how you been doing since last week you know just thinking about last week um i think this week's going to be a little bit more there's gonna be some more heat yeah i'll just i'll just leave it at that for now well i mean with Again, a little little preface before we get too far into it, but really, I mean, honestly, three through like 14 are almost interchangeable to an extent. Like there's some guys they can only drop down to a certain number, but there's a lot of arguments for a lot of players this time. There's it's not as clear cut into tiers, let's say, 
like that, maybe second tier of second baseman is very large. Um, and some might even find their way into the first tier, you know, sooner rather than later. So it's a very intriguing discussion. I'm, you know, very excited to hear your guys, you know, opinions and thoughts on who's in what tier and who belongs where. Uh, but we'll get into that. We'll save that for a little bit later. Ryan, how we doing? You know, I'm doing well. Just enjoying the very warm weather. This is fall spring number two. We had fall spring one not that long ago, but uh, it's, it's going to be like 30 and snowing next week. So this is definitely fall spring two, but I'm going to enjoy it, man. You know, whenever it's 70 in February, I'm, I'm going to be a, pre, be a pretty happy guy. Yeah. And then the rain comes and it's 40 next week. Like you said, it's going to rain next or uh, snow next week. So, you know, that that's fun stuff. Trey, is it right back I mean, to cold? I was going to say it's kind of like similar weather to you. You're not, you know, experiencing a, a completely different season than we are. No, I'm uh, it's warmer than it has been, but it's going to go right back down. So, yeah, we're not quite out of it. We're not quite in spring yet. No, <laughs> no, but it's fine because it's not like we're quite yet in uh in baseball season either we still have a long ways to go that's a completely different discussion one we won't dive into tonight uh the cba negotiations are not going anywhere and uh that's the fault of one side not both sides but one side and i will leave it at that um you got to be able to negotiate when you enter negotiations it's kind of a rule of thumb safe to say but there was a, a big piece of news, speaking of negotiations, and obviously it took Twitter by storm. I believe it, it came out the, the day, the news broke the day we released our last episode. Of course, that always happens. We release an episode, boom, that day, a stir, story worth talking about. But here we are almost a week later. We'll talk about it. Obviously, that news is the contract extension offer the Nats gave to Juan Soto. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was 13 years, 350 million, no deferrals, correct. no deferrals, which is obviously the big kicker. Everyone knows the past with, I mean, shoot, even Max, Rafael Soriano, even, uh, Bryce, all the deferrals that are typically offered in these contracts. Steven Strasburg, obviously another notable one, um, no deferrals in the contract offer to Soto and obviously offering Soto more than they ever offered anyone including Bryce um, which would typically be a good sign but it is very down the middle so I want to get your guys thoughts on that offer it, it's there's the argument that it's a starting point but then again Soto rejected it right away like you would think if it's a starting point it's at least still competitive but I guess it depends on your definition of competitive. But Ryan, what did you think of the offer? Yeah, so there's there's a lot to take away from this. Obviously, the biggest thing is the no deferrals. The Nationals are kings of deferrals. They deferred five million on Brad Hand's eight million salary last year. So the fact that they offer three hundred fifty million dollars with no deferrals shows that they are serious about it which is good. They also offer 13 years, which buys out three years of the arbitration. I'll get to that in a second. Um, just the way it's structuring is also something to be positive about. 350 million, that's nothing to fret about. You see $350 million, that is a lot of money. The problem is it's not enough. Yes, it is a starting offer. It's a, more likely it's a good starting offer. 
um, that is the third largest contract ever. If you signed it, when you break it down, it's 24th in terms of AAV and he'll be the 20th highest paid player in baseball. That would change immediately once guys like Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, and some of the other big free agents who are still available signed. That is where it's going to hurt the Nats. You got to get the AAV up with Soto. And then if you want to break down the contract for why they did 13 years, they buy out the three years of his arbitration at essentially 16 mil per that's less than what he's going to make this year in ARP 2. He has ARP 3 and ARP 4 to go. So he's already underpaid. And then the other half of the contract is $300 million for 10 years. A lot of money, yes. But Manny Machado signed that contract four years ago. You're saying the second best player in baseball is only worth Manny Machado. It's a starting point, but there's a long, long way to go. Um, someone on 106.7 The Fan today said if the Nationals have hopes of re-signing him, the contract's going to start with five. They know that. They're going to try to sign for less. Juan Soto said they're probably going to take it by year and go to free agency. But there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad in the contract. Yeah, like I think Soto is correct in his approach to take it to free agency. Like free agency is a coveted thing for a reason. That's why we frequently say, any extension, not just with the Nats, but any extension is almost an overpay. And that's not to say they're not worth that contract, but you have to kind of beat the current market value if you want to lock them up early. And whether that be in the terms of years or just dollar amount, you have to beat it. And if Soto was hitting free agency right now, he is getting way more than $350 million. And that's what it comes down to. You can call it a starting offer all you want, but you know, he, he knows and shit Boris knows, like, let's be real, that Soto would get a ton more than 350 million if he was on the open market. Granted, he's not. So you can, you know, play with that hypothetical all you want. But it, the fact of the matter is, if he just, you know, grinds out these last three years of arbitration and especially on the pace he's on, he's going to shatter every record and he's going to hit free agency at what age 25. Like he's 26, maybe like he's still going to yeah, gonna get paid. Correa is hitting the market at age 27 and like is talking about like a record setting contract. So Soto, you know, at least on a better start to his career than Correa was. Correa is still very good. Um, but like Soto on a better start, he is going to break every record should he make free agency. So if you know, that's almost the bar. If you want to lock him up now, you have to shatter everything like he has he's got to get trout money and trout money stupid money and you know people always say like oh well it's already life-changing money why don't you donate it which absurd but the point uh, you know the fact of the matter is you're never going to undervalue yourself no matter what it is like try telling someone to undervalue yourself you're not going to do especially a boris client (laughs) and in a world talent mind you like (laughs) i mean it's it's not like Obviously, there is some natural ability. There has to be a natural ability for to be that freakish of an athlete. But like you have to absolutely grind. And it's not like Juan Soto is necessarily breaking the bank with his first contract. But like not, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it. My this is just a long way to way of saying like my point or my view on this is it's a starting point, but they're not particularly close either. Like th- this starting point just tells me that a, a contract extension likely won't happen for another year at the minimum, 
if it ever happens. But Trey, what did you think? Um, I think the Nationals offered this contract knowing that Juan Soto was going to reject it. And I think he absolutely should reject it because, yeah, 350 is not enough. But I think they showed him that they weren't going to defer money, uh, which is I do think that's important because the Nationals really, I mean, like you said, the Brad Hand contract, that's so funny. That was for one year and they deferred money to it. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's that's a big deal. But also they knew he wasn't signing for 350 he's gonna probably get over 500 million dollars and uh it's probably going to be warranted i don't i mean he's only going to get better he's only going to get better yeah and you you mentioned something that you know was relevant in i think a lot of people's eyes definitely my eyes i believe ryan's eyes right i don't know how you feel about it but like something that's relevant with the learners specifically the offer them what on paper seems to be a great contract just so you can say oh we tried Mm -hmm. like that's I I think Nats fans might have some PTSD when it comes to that that's Bryce Harper's time and and they're yeah they're kind of like you know preparing themselves three years in advance for that you know to be the case where it's like oh well three years ago we offered him 13 years 350 million he didn't take it like he just being greedy which I look at the damn labor negotiations like you, you would <laughs> obviously that's the, the owner's angle for literally everything so you know you can talk about how much Soto loves Washington all you want but the fact of the matter is the MLB owners aren't exactly the most trustworthy people when it comes to what they want to tell you and how they want to present themselves and present these offers and, and all this stuff and kind of uh, frame the the narrative and, and all this stuff and you know, to an extent, it's warranted because it's Scott Boris. He has a reputation for a reason. The players love him for a reason because he 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 gets it done. So it's just like, you know, it is what it is. But it is curious to hear the Nats have been trying because that's always the burning questions. Like especially now with the Nats, can they? Are they? Will they lock up Juan Soto? And at least we know they're trying whether it's a legit attempt or not. But I would say the no deferrals is, you know, more of a legit attempt than I initially thought they were. And it's three years away. So there's time. Like, like, yeah, like you said, it's not going to happen this offseason. It would be more likely that it would happen next offseason. But either way, I mean, they said they want to go to free agency. If the Nationals go above 500 million at any point, I feel like, he probably signs that. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's $150 million difference. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm just saying so, that they, if I, it's, it's, it's not Soto. It's just which party is, is willing to pay. So right. he's probably yeah. going to get 500 million. <laughs> yeah. Cause like I literally just did the math. If he hits free agency at age 26, he, you know, signs a 14 year deal, which 40 seems to be the mark. 39, 40 seems to be the mark for these long-term deals. Uh, and he gets 500 million over 14 years. That's 35.7 AAV. So it's like, you know, that's probably a little bit lower than because of the years and stuff like that. So I'm just saying, if you're doing a shorter deal, right, that would take him to age 36. You're going to need to get up to probably the 40s for AAV. And right now they're at what? 30? No. 
less it was less that. it was like 26 26 26.9 yeah. yeah so like the, I, I, that's just me saying they're not even close they're 14 million dollars off just on the aav so you do 14 times 13 quick math uh i don't know it's probably like 420 million something somewhere around there uh that they need to offer so still quite a bit uh away and obviously with the lockout there probably won't be an a counter offer or an additional follow-up offer this season. So that's why I say it's a year away at minimum, but we shall see. Obviously, you know, the Nats could pivot to uh, someone else if they wanted to. I'm hearing rumors that uh, Carlos Correa was at Georgetown cupcakes today. I heard that too. That's crazy. So I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, but you know, we will talk about that that's going to be the only storyline we have to talk about probably, but uh, interesting. Nonetheless, let's get into rankings. It's still ranking season. It's still early in ranking season. So we get to enjoy every single second of it tonight. Like I said, we will be ranking second baseman, um, you know, probably 14 to 17 deserving candidates to be in top 10, somewhere around there. Like it, they, there's a lot of arguments to be had um, a lot of different, mindsets and strategies that go into these top 10 rankings so we do have a little bit of difference than we had uh for last week's first baseman rankings same format uh ryan and i have our list that we combined into a comprehensive list trey has his list that he gets to compare and contrast and you know either uh be in favor of or play devil's advocate to as well so uh let's get into it again starting with number 10 the Half Street High Heat second base rankings are kicking off number 10 with Jorge Polanco. That is the Twins' uh, middle infielder. He plays shortstop, plays second baseman. Uh, before I get any further, the way we did this, there seems to be a lot of second basemen that are utility guys, and we talked about this doing our rankings. We defaulted to wherever they played the most games. Uh, I will say there's one guy, and I'll mention it um, when we get to him, he was playing outfield primarily, but he will be playing second base for this upcoming year. So we're just trying to use our best judgment to, you know, put those um, utility guys into a home. And a lot of them found a home at second base in this rankings. So just wanted to say that uh, Jorge Blanco is one of those guys, twins, second baseman. Um, not that war is everything, but he had a 4.9 war last year, which is pretty pretty solid uh i had him at number seven ryan did not have him ranked so ryan i wanted to get your thoughts on uh you know jorge polanco and like why he didn't crack your top 10 um i just considered him a shortstop when i was making my list second base is really interesting because a couple years ago it was just a dead position it was jose altuve and a bunch of other scrubs in the last couple years we're kind of seeing like a rejuvenation in the position just because how deep shortstop is a lot of teams that are competing and getting a lot of good infielders are just throwing someone else at second. Like for example, the Dodgers had Trey Turner play second. So if you look at second base leaderboards, Trey Turner leads all of them. Marcus right. Simeon, he used to be a shortstop. Now he's a second baseman because the Blue Jays have Bo Bichette. Like there's a lot of guys, Blanco, he used to be a shortstop. Now he's second. There's a lot of guys who are making that switch. I considered him a shortstop, but diving into looking at him as a second baseman, Blanco's rather underrated. 
probably because he plays in the Twins and Minnesota is just a crap state. Kirk Cousins <laughs> is your quarterback and he uses tinfoil on your grill. So like that hurts the whole state. He is six in OPS, fifth in WRC plus. Um, he was tied six in war for second base as well. He's not an on-base guy, so my money ball people are not going to like him. Only a 323 on-base percentage, but he has a slugging above 500. So anytime you have a slugging above 500, that's pretty good. Doing it in a colder ballpark as well that favors pitchers is rather impressive. You look at all of his numbers across the board. Offensive rating, he's fifth as well. He is a pretty solid second baseman he's hit 269 last year well above the league average and overall a pretty solid second baseman you know for a while in his career it was can he stay healthy the last three years he stayed healthy and his numbers have been rather solid so yeah i didn't have him because he was a shortstop but undoubtedly a top 10 second baseman yeah and i mean it could be just the I'm not going to pretend to know everything that went on with the twin season, but he played 120 games at second base last year. So that's why I put him at second base. But if you look at the, you know, pretty much since what 2017 is really his first full season, he's been a shortstop. So it's like, you know, is he going to make that switch permanently to second base? Is he not? Uh, regardless, I, I put him at second base. I, I like him a lot. Uh, like Ryan said, he is very underrated to me. Um, I think he's just well-rounded. He could get on base a little bit more, you know, that would really add to his value. But, uh, you know, when you have a second baseman that can hit 22 bombs and, and, oh, no, sorry, that's his projections, can hit 33 bombs and, you know, drive in 98 runs, I mean, and hit above league average, 269 average is, is great. Like, that's, you will absolutely take that. When you have that kind of offensive production from second base, it's like you have to pay attention to that. And he's not you know, too, uh, too shy in the base pass either. He added 11 stolen bases. So it's like, he he's very well-rounded and he can make the switch between shortstop and second base. That's uh, a value. And for my personal rankings, I like, I factored in the defensive versatility heavily, I will say, because we just had so many utility players. So it's like when I'm trying, if one guy's only played 90 games, at second base, but someone's played like 150. Well, it's like, that might not be fair, you know, head to head, but the guy who's played 90 games plays like, you know, 30 games at three other positions, then, then it kind of, you know, works out. So I I like the defensive versatility, obviously the offense, you know, plays no matter what in a colder ballpark, there's a lot of things to like about Jorge Blanco. So that's why he he was number seven for me. And that's why he cracks our top 10. But Trey, what were your thoughts on uh, Jorge Polanco? Did he crack your top 10? He did. He's my number eight choice. Um, Really, it's just his home run hitting power from second base position. I mean, if you're going 30 plus homers at second base, you're doing something right. Um, And normally, yeah, I'm an on base guy, but he slugged over 500. So I feel like that kind of evens out at that point. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, so. Um, and really for defense, you know, he just moved over there. So it's kind of, kind of tough to judge him right away based on his defense. I honestly think if his defense improves at second base, he could really go right up this list Mm and potentially into the top five, because like his, his power numbers were elite. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I really like Jorge Blanco as well. I think the twins are they're they're set for a bounce back in my eyes. They're Uh, so weird. I know. I, I think they, they have a chance to bounce back and I feel like it's because of guys like Jorge Blanco. They are like a great value way 
less successful Red Sox. It's like they're great one year and then absolute dog shit the next year. Yeah. So it's weird. like they were terrible last year. So in theory, they're due, but then they traded away like Jose Barrios. And I believe there was one other pitcher they traded away. So it's like, who, who knows what their foundation looks like? I mean, yeah, they extended Byron Buxton, right? Yeah. I think honestly, just it's really health-based with them. They were very interesting. I mean, year. Buxton, I just mentioned him. Yeah. He got hurt, but like, he can uh, never stay healthy. If he could ever stay healthy. I'm dude. just trying to think of their lineup. <laughs> I know their lineup's been like their bread and butter. Oh, Josh Donaldson, Max Kepler. Who else? Uh, Luis Arise has yeah. come in. And oh, that's right. Well, uh, Mitch, Garver, Mitch Garver, he was out yeah. for a long time. Yeah, that's yeah. a big loss for yeah. most so, of the season last year. So who knows? I mean, obviously, if that, that offense is rolling as it can be, led by guys like Jorge Polanco, I mean, who knows what the Twins can do. And obviously, the AL Central's one of the weaker divisions in baseball. So who knows? I mean, that's why the Twins have been able to, you know, sneak by uh, a couple times over the past few years. Uh, but moving on to number nine, speaking of a guy that made the switch from shortstop to second baseman, deferring to someone else at shortstop, but playing a solid second base, that is Gene Segura. Um, he honestly, because Didi's a free agent. So, I mean, maybe Gene makes the switch back to short. Who the hell knows? Anyways, Gene Segura, really solid year last year. 3.7 war, 290 batting average, uh, 14 bombs, 58 uh, RBIs, which you know, sounds low, but again, like he's just a solid second baseman. Second baseman isn't necessarily a position you look at purely in powers. Like first base we did last week, that's a position where you should be getting legit power numbers from or legit offensive production. Second base isn't always viewed that way. It certainly can be. Uh, but Gene Segura has always been, you know, very solid, very consistent. Uh, comes in at number nine on our list. I had him number nine. Ryan had him number eight. So, Ryan, I'll defer to you. Why'd you like Gene a little bit more than uh, maybe me, maybe Trey? Gene Segura is just an all-around solid second baseman. Like you said, he's one of the guys who made the switch from shortstop to second. He gets on base. Um, he is fifth in on-base percentage. He's a 350 on-base percentage. He was third in batting average. He was top 10 second baseman hits despite missing 30 games. He's someone you can put in the top of your order and depend on them because you know he's going to grind at bats. He's going to get on base. He's also a rather good fielder. My page with his defensive stats is not loading. I do apologize, <laughs> but he is a good defensive second baseman. His WRC plus is higher than Ozzy Albies. His on base is much higher than guys like Marcus Simeon, Polanco, and some of the other bigger second basemen. He is just all around solid, and he's someone you can put in your lineup just about every day when he's not injured and just depend on him, and he's going to do his job every single day, day in, day out, and you're going to be pretty happy with him. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you summed it up perfectly. It's almost wild to think he's played on like four or five different teams. Like He's been so solid and just consistent. Like He's never been... MV, like the MVP heights that are, um, Marcus Simeon might have reached or has reached, but he's just been super solid. It's just crazy to think he's moved around so much. Trey, did he crack your top 10? No, he did not. He's my number uh, 11. Uh, uh, so I had Segura at number 11. Um, and I mean, yeah, pretty much for ever, all the reasons Ryan said, he's just a very well-rounded player. Hits for contact, gets on base, hits for some power sometimes. Um, solid defender. And I, I do think he'll probably stay at second base. I, I feel like 
I've seen, you know, the Phillies leaning towards uh, calling up Bryson Stott and play, to play shortstop for them. Uh, I feel like that's probably where their direction that they will go. Um, I don't, it was just so hard to rank. I, I felt, I feel bad leaving him out because <laughs> I, I, he could definitely be a top 10 uh, second baseman. A lot of minor injuries uh, kind of raised concern for me since he's gotten to Philly. Um, but he's managed to still play well. When yeah, I was going to say when he so. plays, he plays very well since yeah, just, in the yeah, three years so, he's been there. Yep. And uh, yeah, so he would be my number 11. Fair enough. Um, speaking of guys that, you know, you felt bad leaving off, I left this guy off and I, I did not enjoy doing it. That is your NL Rookie of the Year, uh, Jonathan India, for the Cincinnati Reds uh, last year, 3.9 war, 269 batting average, 21 bombs and 69 RBIs. Again, in route to a Rookie of the Year. When I had him, you know, basically when you get past 10 for me, it's like, four or five guys that were effectively number 11. It it was a tough, you know, call rounding out my top 10. Ryan, however, had him sixth. So he will be able to, uh, you know, speak on the, um, it's the word I'm looking for, the benefits. No, not the benefits. Prestige of Jonathan India. Yes, there we go. The prestige of Jonathan India. Ryan, why'd you like him so much? Look, I'm a big Jonathan India fan. Um, if you're a rookie and you put up a four war, that's impressive. Very he good. came in right away and he impressed. He had a 376 on base percentage that was higher than every single second baseman. That's also a higher on base percentage than Trey Turner. Um, he had a 122 WRC plus. That was fifth for second baseman. He was fifth in OPS for second baseman. He's above a lot of notable second baseman and shortstops even in a lot of stats. And that's impressive, especially for a rookie. 34 doubles. 21 home runs, which is rather solid as a rookie. He had the same number of doubles as speedster Trey Turner. Trey Turner literally has a bunt and it's a double for him, but I really like why Siav India. I think he's going to be a very special player and basically just reiterating it. He had a four wars rookie. That's rather impressive on its own. So I am a big India fan and I felt pretty confident about putting him in that six spot. Yeah, I have no problem with it. Uh, I do like uh, ultimately my like deciding factor, and it might sound su- stupid to some, but it's like him and another guy. Oh, no, he didn't crack our top 10. Uh, slight spoiler, I guess, but him and Jazz Chis- Chisholm, like I just didn't, uh, I had to figure out some way to, I guess, uh, <laughs> um, like legitimize leaving them off or whatever. And that I just played the rookie card. So it's like if they have a great 2022, which it seems like they will improve on their rookie years, then, you know, I will believe it, I guess. Not that I don't already, but I have no problem with India in the top 10. Uh, It's hard to argue against what he did his rookie year, and presumably he's only going to get better. So uh, no problem there. Trey, did he crack your top 10? Crack my top five. Oh, I had Jonathan India at number five. Um, And yeah, he's an he's an OBP merchant. I like that a lot. Uh, he's only 25 years old, so with that combination of plate discipline and youth, I always really really like that, and that's why I'm projecting him to have an even better season in 2022. And his defense, um, the metrics were a little they kind of were thinking that he was below average, but it's only his first season, so maybe that can improve. Um, but yeah, the, the the combo of his of his uh, on base plus power plus speed, 
all those stuff, all, all those uh, factors combined really, really speak to Jonathan India being potentially a top five second baseman next year. Yeah, I would not be surprised whatsoever. Uh, I mean, it's hard to have not many people have a better rookie season than Jonathan India did. Like he he made his mark and again, presumably he's only getting better. Uh, let's move on to number seven on our list and arguably the most versatile guy on this list. That is San Diego Padres uh, utility man, but primarily second baseman Jake Cronenworth uh, last year, 4.8 or 21 bombs, 71 RBIs, 266 average. Uh, he was an all-star played a t- wore a ton of different hats. I mean, he played short, he played first, he played, uh, I believe he played some outfield. Like he's just the true Swiss army knife, um, 800 OPS as well. I had him number eight, Ryan, number seven. So right around the same mark, uh, Ryan, why'd you like, uh, Jake Cronenworth so much? Big, big Cronenworth fan. Essentially his rookie year, his rookie year was 2020. I don't really count 2020 because that was a month. Yeah, um, just... So I'm going to, I'm going to say this is rookie year and 4.8 war. He wore a lot of hats as well. Playing multiple positions at major leagues is very, very hard. It's hard on your body. Guys who play a lot of different positions have a tendency to get hurt in the season because it's tough, works out different muscles. But when you look at his numbers, he's right behind Jonathan India in doubles and WRC plus he's in top 10 in OPS and on base as well. All around great guy. When you can play that many positions and play them well, you're very, very valuable. The Padres didn't even really need him last year, but they kept finding ways to get him in the lineup because what he brought every single day. And when, well, before the Padres collapsed, they were in the middle of a pennant race, but they found ways to get him in that very young and very exciting team. 28 years old, essentially a rookie. Future is very bright for him. And if he keeps going out there and keeps getting on base, keeps playing like he is, they're going to find ways for him to stay in. And he should be consistently in this top 10 list. Yeah. They, uh, the Adam Frazier trade was like sort of, you know, the Padres attempt to go all in. But then because they had someone like Cronenworth, they could just get rid of Adam Frazier because it was a failed experiment or whatever. So it's like having someone like Cronenworth is, you know, you can't really put a, a value on that. I mean, war is the closest thing we get to value and that might not even be accurate for someone like Cronenworth, but uh, Trey, what do you think of uh, Cronenworth? Uh, I have Cronenworth at number six. Okay. Uh, I've, I think it's really impressive to play that many positions that well and still hit. Uh, because he had an OPS above 800, and that's pretty insane to me. Uh, and realistically, he should be the starting second baseman going forward, and his defensive ability there is, you know. Quite good. He's up there. Uh, so once he locks into second base as a position, I really I can see him going even higher because his defense of that position should uh, polish. And I'll – and then he can also play a bunch of different positions if you need him. Yeah. They were probably only playing him at first. So they didn't have to play Eric Hosmer. I imagine that's probably (laughs) the, uh, you know, logic behind that move, but it is good to know that he can do it. It should, they need him to, especially, I mean, who knows once the season picks up, whenever that is, they could still salary dump Hosmer and open up more cap space or not cap space, but you know what I'm saying? 
um, and, and positional flexibility and having a guy like Cronenworth not being out of a home or homeless if they acquire a legit second baseman uh, is, you know, again, immense value there. So yeah. Cronenworth being higher than, than me, again, no problems there. Moving on to number six on our list is a guy I had number three. And Ryan actually did not have ranked. So this is, I think, safe to say our biggest uh, difference in rankings uh, between Ryan and myself. So Trey will have to be the tiebreaker. I do believe I know where Trey is leaning. Uh, But that is Whit Merrifield, a guy I have been a fan of for quite some time. Last year, 3.6 war, 10 home runs, 74 RBIs, 40 stolen bases, 277 batting average, only a 711 OPS but he's never been the type to hit for that much power. I mean, he had 19 bombs a few years ago, followed up with 16 bombs in uh, 2019. I love Whit Merrifield. Again, I always have uh, great speed. One thing that I think is super underrated and isn't always, you know, necessary, but it is, you know, appreciated, uh, maybe underappreciated nowadays. He has not missed a game in the last three years. Um 2020 or 2019 and 2021 played all 162 obviously 2020 shortened season he still played all the games uh if you want to go back even further 2017 he played 145 2018 he played 158 like just you know super consistent all throughout like his numbers he had the lowest ops of his uh career this past year but it's hard to argue that he wasn't you know good on offense like he was still getting on or, you know, still hit for a respectable average, still stole 40 bags, like still provided value. And you have to think that Royals team isn't giving him a lot to work with. Like sometimes he has to do it himself and you, you know, kind of just need to make things happen yourself. So being able to steal a base or just, you know, find ways on and find value when your team sucks. Like uh, we talked about with Josh Bell and, you know, his comments when he, uh, or no, not Josh Bell. Uh, I made the point, Josh Bell, I believe it's Christian Yelich, like said, losing all the t- all the time in Miami really like impacted his mental state. It's like it's hard to grind and keep trying through the grind of 162 games when the team sucks. So it's like Whit Merrifield has essentially had to do this his entire career because he kind of came after the Royals, you know, mid 2010s teams that were really, really good. So he's always had to grind against, you know, all the odds with the Royals and how they're doing as a team. So it's like the fact that he's not only been able to still be consistent, still, he was an all-star in 2021, still be an all-star and still perform while the team stinks, like, and play every game. Like, again, I I love that. Like I I value that highly clearly. He's number three on my list. So I get, you know, the hype with some of these younger guys, Whit Merrifield is older. He's going into his age 33 season. So I, I know 33 is right around that number where typically there's a steep decline or some sort of regression. I'm still going to believe that he can find ways to do it because he's been finding ways to do it his entire career thus far. But Ryan, what do you like about Whit Merrifield? What don't you like about Whit Merrifield? He's top 10 when it comes to fantasy baseball because he could play multiple positions. <laughs> well, that's all that matters. Bases. That's all that matters. But he's not close to top 10 at second base anymore. I disagree. 
Um, I mean, it's hard to find stats to even back it up. He's got a 317 on base percentage. I don't care about batting average. Your on base percentage is the most important stat to me. Uh, 317 on base percentage. That's 18th for second baseman below Javi Baez. And then uh, WRC plus does not like him, but that's okay. He doesn't really have power. His comes in 91. That's 21st second baseman. New Nat Cesar Hernandez coming at 90. So yay cesar um, <laughs> there's there's hope <laughs> he's he's not a power guy 395 slugging is rather not that great that's about 21st or so for second baseman as well it's hard to look at stats besides stolen base and playing every day where you can be like all right he's good most stats he's atrocious in i don't really know how he was a second baseman he is someone i'm mean, sorry a all-star he's someone three, four, five years ago where he was trending up. His numbers were fantastic. He had 200, over 200 hits in 2019. Things were great. And then 2020 happened. He hit the 30 wall. His numbers have been kind of down on the down roll spiral. So that's why I did not have him in my top 10. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, his OPS is 100 points lower than it was in 2019. Yeah, like 2018, 2019 were really solid for him. Like his... Uh, on base percentage 367 to 348 and as like you said 317 so I get he's on a downward trend I'm just you know I, I'm a fan of his so I get like there's bias on my part it's over everything baby yeah exactly and that's what it comes down to Trey I know I know what you're gonna say just go ahead and side with Ryan yeah he wasn't on my top 10 either um so <laughs> yeah I like Whit Merrifield uh, as an important part of that team's culture and clubhouse uh, and as a leader, as a veteran guy for some of these young guys that are coming up. But for actual, you know, statistical purposes, I couldn't justify putting him in the top 10. He just didn't hit well enough last year. Uh, Defensively, he was good and he stole 40 bases, which is really cool. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't quite get, it wasn't enough for me to justify having a 395 OPS. That's pretty rough. Uh, I'm not saying you couldn't bounce back. It would help if they were good so that he right. might be able to have some motivation. Cause like you were saying, that's, that definitely that probably hurt him. Just the fact that they just didn't put anything around him to help. So free my boy, uh, Whit Merrifield. Free, free <laughs> so um, I can you know yeah. save my ass when it yeah. comes to I, ranking him third. I still think he's a good player, but yeah, not in my top 10. All right. Well, we'll keep it moving. Uh, number five, we're in our top five on this list. A guy, you know, speaking of trending up, like uh, I believe it was 2019 was his like breakout year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 2019. Cattell Marte comes in at number five. I had him number five. Ryan had him number four a very intriguing candidate. This is the guy I mentioned played a large majority of his games at outfield last year. Granted, he'd only played 90 games. He's dealt with injuries, but the diamond, I heard this from Ryan. So credit to Ryan, but the diamondbacks GM came out and said, he is the second baseman going forward. He will not be playing center field, but the fact that he can play center field, obviously a very premium position to have in any lineup on any team, like is points, at least in my book, but last year, again, in a 90-game sample, 1.8 war, 14 home runs, 50 RBIs. So, you know, extrapolate that over 162 or somewhere around there, probably around like a little bit of a three war, maybe 20, mid-20s for home runs and, you know, 80 RBIs. So very respectable. 
He's still young or still in his prime 28 going into age 28 season. Uh, there's a lot to like about him, but it feels like this is probably the one that's a little bit more projection based than evidence based. Cause at this point he's going to be three years removed from his breakout year. And 2020 was very wacky. Obviously, like we've been saying 2021, he was hurt. So, you know, he's still young. So you assume he bounces back and, you know, recaptures some of the magic from 2019 i mean even 2018 he was still very solid 260 332 uh 437 for uh 768 ops sounds low but again second baseman um you would assume he bounces back but again he's three years removed from his true last great offensive or just productive season ryan i mean obviously i'm in the same boat as you but why did you like Cattell Marte so much going into the uh this season I am a big fan of his. Um, he's been hopping around. They tried to put him in center field, but he suffered a couple of injuries and they said they're going to keep him at one position. Their website has him at second base. So I'm going to rock him at second base. He w- broke out in 2019. He had a 981 very OPS. Good. Literally good in every single stat. He hit 330, a 981 OPS, 592 slugging, 30 home runs, 90 RBIs on a terrible team. That's fourth, impressive. Fourth and MVP voting. I forgot to say that. It's just, it's just all right. Um, 2020, his numbers were respectable, but again, weird year. It's a month. Don't really care. He only played 90 games last year, so he does not qualify for any of the leaderboards. But in that time, he hit 318, 377 on base percentage. You know I like my on base percentage. That would lead second baseman if he qualified. A 532 slugging would be in the top four. And then again, if your OPS is over nine, you're doing something right in baseball. An OPS over nine is elite. He had that again, only 90 games. But when you look at his numbers, they're constantly in the elite area for that. I had to put him up at four where I have the top four, which is my elite out of the positions. I have to put him there. If he stays healthy this year, he's going to be another all-star and he's going to keep tearing it up in the desert of Arizona. That's fair. Trey, what are your thoughts? I, I assume he cracked your top 10. Oh yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I wasn't sure if like he was like an egregious uh, left off. He might be egregious in the other direction. Honestly, (laughs) Uh, I have Cattell Marte at number two. Um, it's it's not ability, it's health. If the dude can play, he's one of the best. He had a seven-war season in his only full season, I think. Uh, unless he his rookie year, he might have had a full season as well, but that was a long time ago now. Uh, yeah, it's the dude's a hitter, hits for power, hits for average, uh, and he was... I believe over 80, 80th percentile in hard hit percentage, 80, over 80th percentile in barrel percentage and hard hit percentage as well. Uh, and when he plays second, generally he's a better defender than when he plays center field. Uh, I feel like he's more of an infield infielder than an outfielder, but it is cool that he can play in the outfield as well. Um, it's just health. If the dude stays healthy, he's going to be good. And if he doesn't, then that just sucks because I really want to see him play more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's not that he's had that career-altering injury, but right now he is that what if. Like, what if he can just stay healthy? And if he can, presumably he's going to be very, very good. Um, So we'll see. Obviously, the Diamondbacks are not 
very, very good right now. So it's a matter of can he do it on his own? Like someone like Juan Soto is going to have to do it on his own right now. And obviously we know Juan Soto can do it on his own, but can someone like Cattell Marte, who's trying to battle back from, you know, half a season last year and through these, you know, uh, myriad injuries and, and stuff like that, can he do it? That's going to be the big question. If he can, I mean, there's no doubt he's absolutely top five, if not higher. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see his season and how it unfolds. Moving on to number four, this was technically a tie, but our tiebreaker is, I mean, the first tiebreaker is MVP. This guy has won an MVP. That is Jose Altuve. Think what you want, but, you know, it is what it is. He He's still very good. Like this past year, he was still very good. Still an all-star, you know, 278, 350, 49 for 839 OPS. 31 bombs, 83 RBIs, 4.4 war. Like, again, I get, I totally get if you don't like him, but it you can't really argue against him in terms of being one of the game's best second baseman. He's older now. He's going into his age 32 season, but uh, it almost doesn't matter. He's been so consistent. Uh, he's dealt with some injuries in the past couple of years, but he still played 146 games last year. So it's like he, he's not heading down the path of a, uh, Oh, can he stay healthy? Like he's still for the most part, pretty healthy and playing in the large majority of the games. Um, I mean, it, there, again, there's not much to argue against him. He's fourth on our list for a reason. I had him number four. Ryan had him number five. Like, again, you can't argue against him. Ryan, why is Jose Altuve still one of the game's best? Yeah. Jose Altuve is good. Um, we don't have to dive into much about him and what he's done in his career. MVP, gold gloves, batting titles, silver slugger. Seven even if you look at exactly like you even look at his numbers now, there he's fourth in WRC plus. He's top five in OPS. The reason why I have him at five and out of my I have him at five, right? Pretty yes, sure. Right? Yes. yes. Okay. The reason why I have him there is because it's the same thing for every single Astros player. If you look at their baseball reference page you can see when there are stealing signs. It is very, <laughs> very, very obvious. Is that what all these like bolded black numbers are? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like looking at it, he jumped from an 812 OPS to 928 OPS. We all know what they did in 2017, 957 OPS. In 2018, they said they stopped 837 OPS. They said, you know, he was back in the 900s in 2019. They stole signs in 2019. But then you look at this year, they in 2021, they said they didn't. The OPS is in the 800s again. It's 100 points lower. That's why I just have them a little bit lower at five. Talent is talent. His talent is absolutely there. Jose Altuve is good. All the Astro players are going to have to keep proving it elsewhere. That's why Correa left. Well, is leaving. That's why Springer left. It's going to be attached to them. Like it's hard not to talk about it even right now, just because it's attached to every single one of these players. He's still great. I can't put him at the top three like you normally would, just because the drop off we saw in his numbers without, without I have quote unquote, um, without the sign stealing this year. Right, right. Trey, what are your thoughts on uh, one Jose Altuve? Uh, Jose Altuve came in fourth on my list. Um, yeah, still a really good hitter, still a great defender. And I thought it was interesting looking at his spray chart for 2021. Uh, he's embraced the Crawford boxes, I believe, because uh, it was actually crazy if you go look at it. Uh, he's a pure pull hitter almost at this point, and he wasn't 
he was a he was he would spray the ball around. Uh, I think he's just trying to tap into that power and tap tap into those Crawford boxes mm-hmm. because there's that that short porch is definitely helpful. He hits a lot of his home runs there, so it's it's undeniable. He still hits good on the road as well, but not as good. Um, and he still he can still pick it over there at second base. Always been a solid defender, so um, he's not going to really exit my top five until he gets old or has an extreme drop off. Right. Yeah. He's just the method of consistency. And I, I think it's safe to say we're high enough now where we can talk about another one of the guys we left off. Someone like DJ LeMahieu was like super consistent for a while, had a very extreme drop off in 2021. And like that's that difference is what we would probably need to see from Jose Altuve before we left him off the list completely or dropped him, you know, significantly in this list. But so far, he has not experienced a regression like that. So, you know, he, he belongs in top five, whether you like it or not. Just, you know, numbers don't lie unless, uh, you know, they don't match my narratives. Um, moving on to number three on our list, that is Brandon Lau. Low, I believe it's Lau. Yeah, it is Lau. Brandon Lau of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I had him a little bit lower at number six. Ryan had him up at number three. Uh, DMV guy, born in Virginia and went to uh, Maryland last year, 4.7 war. Uh, 247 batting average sounds a little bit low until you look that he hit 39 bombs, had 99 (laughs) RBIs. Uh, Again, uh, like my argument for Jorge Blanco, when you get that kind of offensive production from a second baseman, you're like, holy shit, like that's (laughs) that is quite good. Doesn't seem like at the at this point, you know, with four, I mean, he only played a, a couple games in uh. 2018 but like you know we'll call it three seasons three seasons two and a half seasons with 2020 it doesn't seem like he'll ever be like a true average guy consistently I mean he had 270 in 2019 so maybe I'm just talking out of my ass but like he still finds ways to produce obviously with home runs 340 uh, on base percentage 863 OPS Ryan you had him at number three why is Brandon Lau your favorite out of all of the potential candidates to crack that top five yeah so in my opinion the top three, you can make an argument for each and every single one of them to be number one for second baseman. Lau is probably one of the most underrated players in baseball. He's a DMV native. He was a Nationals fan when he lived here. But you look at his Poor numbers. <laughs> you look at his numbers. They're just good across the board. Again, I am reiterating it. I do not care about batting average. Don't care at all. He's got a 523 slugging. That's great. That's third for second baseman. He's third in OPS, third in WRC plus. He had 39 home runs, almost 100 RBIs. He's great with his on-base percentage as well, a 340 on base. All of his numbers are consistently, for the most part, in the top three for second baseman. He is good. I'm a big fan of him. Wish he was a national. Sorry, Luis Garcia, but wish he was a national. The man can play ball, and I'm going to stand on it. He's one of the most underrated players in baseball, and he's doing this in front of absolutely nobody because no one goes to raise games, but the man can play. Yeah, I think – I'm not sure how many people remember it, but I believe he was the one in 2020 who was like ice cold at the plate for the Rays run to the World Series. If I oh, yeah. One he, of them. He, he can only get like one hit at the most in the playoffs. It's terrible. Yeah. So I think that's kind of stuck in people's minds and maybe, you know, lately in, in my mind too, cause I had him a little bit lower, but like, I mean, he is so freaking good. And uh, I, I don't know how old he is. I know he's on the younger, younger side, but like 
he can he can flat out play like there's there's again not much argument against him like ryan's been saying uh you know batting average doesn't matter all that much i i've just been saying it just you know for reference and you know arguments or uh whatever but you know he he's very very good trey what what's your opinion on brandon low wow <laughs> Uh, Brandon sponsored by Lowe's is my number three choice. Uh, yeah. So just a pure power guy from the second base position with on base as a bonus. I really don't see how he couldn't be this high, honestly. Sorry, Nick, but, uh, almost 40 homers. That's a lot. Oh, that, for... that's fine. <laughs> a lot of my guys are interchangeable. So you're not, yeah. And I, I wasn't really thinking about playoff performance for this. I don't, um, I was just thinking, I was just looking at regular season. No, stuff. I just bring that up because I think some people still have that in their minds. Like he sucks just only seeing him during that playoff performance. Yeah. His, uh, his walk rate is over 10%, which is good in any situation. You know, I, I know the Rays embrace the strikeouts don't matter philosophy, but they matter a little bit when you strike out 28% of the time. That's the only real flaw in his game that I could really point to. I'd like to see that number go down. I mean, it doesn't have to go way, way down because you're not going to hit for this much power if you're not swinging for the fences a little bit, but I would like to see it go below 25% at least. Yeah, it can improve. Definitely has room for improvement. Uh, but Brandon Lau, yeah, he, he could arguably take that top spot at some point should he continue the tra- tra- uh, trajectory sneaky hard word there that he's on um number two so just to recap before we crack the top two trey you have Cattell Marte two mm-hmm. you have brandon lau three so one of these top two guys you have l- at least four so i'm curious to see which one it is number two on the consensus rankings between ryan and myself is marcus Simeon. he is a guy i wanted the nats to have for quite some time and his 2021 season was just, you know, salt in the wound, insult to injury, because he was absolutely phenomenal. 7.3 war, 45 home runs, 102 RBIs. Uh, I mean, dude was awesome. Like he, uh, 873 OPS. Like he proved that 2019 MVP three season. Yes. He finished third in MVP that year. He proved that that 2019 season with Oakland wasn't just like, uh, you know, flash in the pan, like, he, he followed that up with arguably a better performance in 2021. Uh, I mean, obviously he was kind of overshadowed by uh, Vlad Jr. on his team, but he still was top three in MVP. Again, you know, and that that's saying something because he was phenomenal. Obviously signed a massive mega deal with the Rangers and will be playing second base for them, presumably because obviously they signed Corey Seager as well. So, you know you would assume he's going to play second base rather than Corey Seager playing second base. Although who knows, they could make that switch uh, if they wanted to, Um, but defensive versatility, shortstop, second baseman, third baseman. So, you know, that, you know, is uh, a bonus as well. Not that, you know, you could take many points off from him if he didn't play other positions, but definitely a bonus. He is a little bit older. He's going into his age 31 season. So something to keep in mind, but right now he, is still definitely in his prime. Uh, like he is very solid and obviously got the mega deal to prove it. Ryan, why do you like Marcus Simeon? Why is he not your number one? Yeah, coming off the year he had, you can make a very, very, very strong argument. He should be 
Number one, 538 slugging, absolutely fantastic. 873 OPS, top three for second baseman, 131 WRC plus, top three for second baseman, a whopping 45 home runs, lead second baseman, 102 RBIs, 39 doubles. Those are all great. But when you look at it, and I said this for Vlad, I'm saying this for Simeon as well, because your boy is consistent. <laughs> How much of that power boost that we've seen, because he only has one other year in his career above 30 home runs, his his previous career high was 33, and he exploded for 45. How much of the power boost and the boost in numbers that we saw was reflective of playing in Florida in a minor league stadium? Because we saw the Nationals play there, and that was when Josh Bell couldn't hit water if he jumped out of a boat, and Josh Bell looked good that series. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's a great player. This is going to be a great season to prove it for him. I just need to see it again. He did in 2019, but when you look at data, he has two outlier seasons in nine seasons. 2019, 2021 are those outlier seasons right now. 2021 was absolutely fantastic across the board. How much was he benefited by the stadium? 2022 will tell, and that's why I have him at second and not first. That's fair. Uh, Trey, what are your thoughts? Marcus Simeon is number one on my list. Um, so I, uh, you know, there is there is some park park factors here. I even I wrote it in my notes that he's probably going to regress from 45 home runs uh, because fair. that's just there's if if he keeps that up then he's playing like the odds five yeah. player like at that point i don't see that but uh i could see you know 35 to 40 homers being a baseline for him for the next few seasons uh he's adjusted his approach to be an, another guy who's a pull home run hitter uh globe life park uh we have to see kind of how that plays out with its park adjustments and how if it's going to be a hitter or pitcher's park but at least during the day in that hot texas sun that ball is going to fly so he's going to get some uh, uh, some advantage from that. He probably will stay at second base because uh, he moved to second base and then won the gold glove. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure he might want to stay where his defense is really, really valuable. Um, and yeah, he's in his 30s at this point. Uh, but right now, yeah, he's my number one. I honestly didn't even consider anybody else. Interesting. Uh, because number one on the consensus list is Ozzy Albies uh, for the Atlanta Braves, a recent World Series champion. Trey, I'll kick it right back to you. Why is Ozzy Albies presumably number four for Ooh. you? Or hey, um, real quick, real quick. I wore our merch so that I don't get fired. Because <laughs> um, I put Ozzy Albies at number seven. Oh, man. Um, okay. Hear me out. I don't think Ozzy Albies is that good. I really don't. Um He's a great defender, great defender. Uh, and he can steal some bases. But, but I mean, batting wise, he's just not that. I mean, he's consistent. He's consistently slightly above average, but I couldn't put him above guys like Cronenworth or India's offensive production last year. He doesn't really get on base. He doesn't. Um, I mean, he strikes out too much. He, do, he doesn't walk. His power is elite, and I will give him that. Uh, which is why he's still a top 10 second baseman for me. I'm acting like he's a terrible player. He's not, he's great. But um, I just couldn't, I couldn't justify putting him above some of these other guys. Like, I don't think he's better than Jose Altuve or Brandon Lau or Ketel Marte. Um, he's been consistent though. And that is something to look, to look at, but just projecting for next season, if he had the same season he had last year, he would still be a really good player, but he wouldn't be a top one second baseman 
And I don't know how you can say that with straight face. <laughs> so one more point. One more okay, point. Go, go for it. Go before for it. I before I get roasted. Switch hitter um, does not hit well as a lefty, except for home run power. That's it. Doesn't get on base. Average wise, not very good. Way better right handed hitter, and he hits lefty about five times more than he hits righty. Uh, so that's weird. But um, yeah, go ahead. Lay it on me. So I, I will preface by saying I like this was probably 2019 ish somewhere around there. I thought Ozzy Albies was overrated too. And maybe it was just in my mind, like Acuna was the hype and obviously the Braves are the Nats rival. So like, I didn't want to give credit where it was probably due. I just didn't want to, but like when he's been doing it so consistently for five years now, well, call it three and a half with, you know, the shortened debut. And then obviously the pandemic uh, season, like he's just been so consistent and, you know, the power really came about last year. Like if you want to go to 2019, the last full season, he was 24 and 86 in terms of home runs and RBIs this past year, 30 and 106. So he's getting better. And I think the, the real kicker is he's only 25. So like you can, you can play the projection game with him. Like you can play the, oh, he probably hasn't hit his peak yet because he probably hasn't. So, I, I mean, if you want to say Marcus Simeon is better than him right now, that's fine. I can't really argue against that, but to have him seventh is egregious. And I think we should pay more attention to that than me having Whit Merrifield third. But uh, Ryan, <laughs> what, what did you think? Those are both pretty egregious, to be fair. <laughs> what, yeah, Whit Merrifield third is by far the most egregious thing. I'm just going <laughs> to... Ozzy Albies seventh is way worse. But Ryan, what do you what do you like about Ozzy Albies? Why is he your number one? Look, Ozzy's just got that dog in him, man. Like (laughs) you look at his numbers, not counting his rookie season where he only played 57 games in 2020, where he only played 29. In his career, he's gone 3.7, 4.5, and 4.2 F4. He's consistent. He is gonna turn, he's entering his 25 season. He's young, he's consistent, and that's going to give the edge for me as well. And then also, he was the youngest second baseman in MLB history to record a 30 homer and 100 RBI season. So, like, and he's also the fourth second baseman ever. Well, sorry, since he's the fourth since he's the fourth second baseman since 2010 to do that, joining Dan Ugla, Dan Ugla, Robinson Cano, and Jonathan Scope. He's young, he's consistent, and he's good. He's on the Braves, which does suck for him but albies is all around a very likable guy and like i said he's got that dog in him and he's 25 you're gonna be my top guy we're doing what you're doing at 25 i just i seventh is a lot lower than than i anticipated i I could go through my whole list and justify each one of them but that would probably take too long (laughs) i'm just i mean i like his consistency but i just i don't see him getting any better from this point yet like unless he has a major adjustment at the plate because I mean, when when you're doing this at 24, it's hard. He's, to say. I was gonna say it's he's to entering his peaked. age 25 season. He's yeah, probably gonna get better. Yeah, it's hard to say you've peaked at 24. Okay. <laughs> I mean, hey, we'll, we'll see. That's literally the point of this. It just, I don't know. I yeah. I mean, all these are gonna seven, be wrong by the time right, the season's probably. over. So it doesn't I'm matter. never wrong. I so was please, except <laughs> Ryan, just said. So, you know, refrain from <laughs> accusations. <laughs> Uh, but let's get into some honorable mentions because obviously we very clearly had uh, different lists. There's plenty of honorable mentions. Uh, I'll just name off some of them. And if I missed anyone 
or if you guys want to highlight and go into depth on any of them, feel free. Uh, Tommy Edmond, Jazz Chisholm, uh, Colton Wong, DJ LeMahieu, I mentioned, uh, Ryan, oh, well, Ryan McMahon, probably a third baseman, but, you know, there, there's a lot of arguments for a lot of guys. Is there anyone you guys really felt strongly about should be in the top 10 that we didn't talk about? Yeah, I did. Do you oh, want to hear from me anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Uh, Try to redeem yourself. Yeah. Well, I had Colton Wong and Tommy Edmond at nine and 10, respectively, on my list. I had Tommy Edmond um, at 10. Yeah, I, I like I both Wong of them. Wong at nine, I think. Yeah, yeah, you had Wong at nine and Chisholm at 10. Yeah, Colton Wong didn't play a full season last year. In fact, that's kind of been an issue for him in general. Great defensively, though. Like, it, insane defensively. That's why, honestly, that's pretty much the only reason. I mean, he can hit a little bit, too, but uh, – defensively he's so smooth over there it's actually crazy same thing with Tommy Edmond um he was the highest rated defensive second baseman by outs above average uh which you know we'll we'll see how accurate that is for infielders coming up but um he did win the gold glove so maybe there's correlation there I don't know uh not a great hitter uh but he's got great speed he stole 30 bases uh I'd like to see him get on base a little bit more and he if he can do that he'll definitely shoot up my list because his defense his defense and uh, his speed just give him a huge advantage. And doesn't he play multiple positions, if I'm not mistaken? Not that. I think he's that, played that. some third base yeah. uh, as well. Yeah, baseball reference as third base and right field. Um, again, that's not, you know, the end-all, be-all, but it is, you know, of note because we talk about, I believe Ryan mentioned it, just uh, playing different positions and the strain it takes on you. And just like from a mental aspect, you can't really get comfortable um, and if you can't get comfortable in the field, you know, you carry that over to the plate. So it's like your numbers might be lower than they typically would be if you were just playing the same position every day. But Tommy Edmonds only going in uh, into his age 27 season. So he's still young and, you know, could easily shoot up this list. Uh, Ryan, did you want to talk about Jazz Chisholm? Why is he in your top 10? Look, Jazz got that dog in him, man. All right. <laughs> like I'm, I'm noticing on... a theme here. It's potentially <laughs> problematic. <laughs> it's my it's my favorite meme you know you know the meme yeah, I, like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that boy nice enjoyer down here <laughs> that boy nice <laughs> x grit as well um <laughs> look jazz jazz got the boost for me for being 23 young and exciting and also getting a little bit of a potential euro step i love that euro step oh, it's, it's an mlb the show as well mm-hmm. um Look, so, if you're so sick, if you're a baseball player and you show emotion, I automatically love you. So I'd love jazz, but so big Trevor Bauer fan over here. Yeah. I rather never mention that guy's name. <laughs> no, it's funny. I actually, I edited some of the clips I was going to use before we started and I included a couple of Trevor Bauer getting taken deep just for fun. That's, that's okay. That's, that is an acceptable time to use his face. Yeah. That's the only, only reason. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he got the boost for the potential of what he has because I think Jazz is going to be an all-star and has a lot of potential. He's someone who's kind of been hopping around between short and second and his very short career, but he's going to be second going forward. And I think he's going to be special. So I gave him that number 10 spot just because he got that dog in him. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, second base of all the positions is probably going to look the most different heading into the 2023 season. That's just like an educated guess. But like right now, there's so many arguments for guys to be in so many different positions that it's hard to not expect it to change 
heading into next year. And obviously we'll have to see how 2022 plays out with performance and injuries and all that stuff. Um, anyone else worth talking about that we missed? I got a couple. Oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So, well, these are actually, this is a very interesting scenario that the Chicago Cubs find themselves in because they traded for Nick uh, Madrigal. Yeah. Well, he yeah. was hurt last year. He was injured. So I didn't even um, think about him, but yeah, he could be. And they also have Nico Horner mm-hmm. and both of those guys. They're very similar players, uh, high contact, low strikeout, great defensive players with some speed. I have no idea who they're going to play. Uh, I, I honestly wanted to include one of them in my list, but I just don't know who's playing where. Because uh, I, I really do project them to be that good if, if they can stay healthy. Both of them were injured, unfortunately. Um, but Madrigal was tearing it up through about 50 games uh, before he got injured. And he's really young, and Nico Horner's also really young. So they could – I just don't know what they're going to do because they also have Alcantara, Sergio Alcantara, who's looking to play some shortstop potentially. So I wonder if one of them moves to third base or something. But, um, yeah, I like him. I like both those guys a lot. And I hope that they can figure out what they, what to do with them. Yeah, I also had Jazz Chisholm on my honorable mentions too um, because he's just so young. I couldn't quite put him in the top ten, but he's going to be he's going to be nasty. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it, the White Sox though, probably the most. It's uh, the right word, I guess. Team to watch because like they have so many young guys still. And but they also have the like the mixture of veterans like your Grandals, like your Keikels, yeah, they like got your a ton of Lance talent. Lynn. So it's like they should be a lot better. It's almost like the manager's holding them back. Um, I mean, if you have so much talent and it's not you know coming to fruition, you you gotta gotta yeah, look I'm, at the guy in charge there. I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure on the top 100 uh, document that they had the most players, at least according to me. So guys. <laughs> A lot. And it's not just like they're pitching heavy, like the Nats have sometimes found themselves in, like in their good years. Like they have a lot of guys and a lot of guys that aren't necessarily proven yet that could be very, very good. Uh, so we'll have to see what the White Sox do. All right. Well, that concludes our second base rankings. Again, our top 10. Uh, this is, again, Mayan and Ryan's. Uh, Ozzy Albies, Marcus Semien, Brandon Lau. Jose Altuve, Catal Marte, Whit Merrifield, Jake Cronenworth, Jonathan India, Gene Segura, and Jorge Polanco. Plenty of honorable mentions as well. So we'll have to see how this list might change as we progress throughout the 2022 season, whenever that does uh, kick off. Next week, we will be uh, moving over to the other side of the field and taking on shortstops. Uh, we'll see. I mean, typically, that's kind of been a cut and dry argument you know in recent years this year probably not so much we'll have to see who takes that number one spot and how it runs out through the top 10 so next week will be short stops can't wait to dive into that um but as we wrap up this episode do you guys got anything else anything else we want to touch on this is hard (laughs) (laughs) it you know it's way harder than you think it is as you guys watch or listen to this video you know, I want you to remember one thing, and that one thing is Trey had Ozzy Alpes ranked seventh, <laughs> and I don't, we don't allow that. So I don't know, Covering you know my face. how you guys want to handle that, but feel free to take the law into your own hands and address that situation how you deem appropriate. Ryan, you got anything else before we head out? 
No, um, just that, you know, someone ranked Whit Merrifield third. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> no, that's all I got. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. Again, next week is uh, shortstops. So be sure to do some homework on that. So that way you can, you know, live react almost to, to our rankings and, and roast us if we have any egregious rankings next, next week as well. But be sure to follow the show at Half Street High Heat on Twitter. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure you're subscribed to the channel. And if you're listening to this, be sure to go to our YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Um, follow Trey at Reverse 2Rs2S two two for now. Uh, follow Ryan at We Are All Shack and myself at Nationals Ace. We appreciate you listening. And in the meantime, let's go MLB owners. How about we negotiate for a change? That's my message this week. See you guys. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering so you can plan with confidence free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected and 24/7 customer support means you can travel worry free 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.